Welcome back to White Collar Brown Girl. This is Ekta, and I'm very, very excited because I have been waiting to get this podcast really off the ground and introduce you to some very inspiring people and people that, you know, I even I really, really want to learn from. So um, today I have a guest with me who fits all of those criteria, and she's truly amazing. So without uh, further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Bhavagna Bhati Prolu. Well, welcome to the show, Bhavagna. I'm so excited that you are here, and thank you so much for your time and willingness to do this. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to... Um, chat with you and, and talk a little bit about um, sort of what you're creating with White Collar Brown Girl. I think it's really special and, and um, it's really a moment in time that the community needs and it's really exciting that you're starting it. So excited to be here with you. Thank you so much. And, you know, I really appreciate those words because that's exactly, you know, what the enthusiasm was for me when I started this podcast was to be able to talk to women and men such as yourself, you know, and, and talk to people who have really paved their own path in this world. And, you know, I, and that's really where I want to get started. Um, I want to know everything about your career and, you know, not just um, once you started gaining all of your success, but just the beginning and growing up and, you know, can you start us off with a little bit of background? Yeah, of course. So um, I am, am an immigrant in this country. I moved here um, when I was about five years old. Uh, my, I have an older sister who is three years older than me. So my older yeah. sister, myself, and my parents immigrated here on my um, dad's student visa. He was getting a PhD in electrical engineering, which I think wow. is very much the um, 1980s immigrant story from South, from South Asia. It is, and, it is, yeah. Yeah, and um, we started, we, we moved, um, all of us lived in student family housing in Washington State, which is in a very small part of Washington um, and really kind of were very enthusiastic about coming to America and the opportunity that America brought us. I mean, my parents were young. They were in their late 20s, early 30s when we came here. So they were really starting to establish themselves as well. So yeah. I grew up, um, all of my education has been here in the States. And I really grew up with parents that were able to live out a lot of what the American dream was in um, coming here, getting their uh, higher, higher, higher education, because they both had actually been educated in India and they both had uh, masters from there. But of course, for those people who know it what doesn't it's like mean to... anything. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean anything here, which is such BS. I hear you. I my parents went through so much of the similar, you know, a, a similar situation. But yeah, please continue. I just wanted to say how much of BS that is. <laughs> Those degrees get negated. <laughs> yes, you know I what I mean? That... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you know the the gate steps that it takes when you come um, into this country, having been you know, educated outside of the country and sort of uh, having that translate is always very difficult. And, you know, I have cousins who have since uh, moved in much more recent years and I meet people all of the time and there are still gate steps and it's, it is, it is tough to uh, feel like you're starting again when you come into this country. But uh, for my family, like I said, my, my dad was getting his, his PhD in electrical engineering, but he did have a family and we were living in a very small 
part of the country. Uh, so he actually gave up finishing his PhD and, and has a double master's now because we needed to uh, start living <laughs> and yeah, making money. Yeah. And, and because of the nature of the um, years that we had entered the country and also just because of my dad's background um, and the part of the country that we ended up moving to, which I think is so important to so many immigrant stories is what part of the country you end up landing in sort of dictating what that community builds for you. But um, we yeah. were the closest to um, Silicon Valley. And so we moved oh. to Silicon Valley. We lived in a place called Sunnyvale, which is a very large um, South Asian immigrant community in the Bay Area. Um, and were there for a few years and then moved into um, another area called Fremont, which is a, an area that is a largely filled with sort of um, Silicon Valley transplants where, you know, your parents were probably traveling to uh, the South Bay to go to work and then they were traveling back to Fremont um, to live. Yeah, in, yeah. yeah and it was um, a very, uh, when I first, when we first moved there, the sort of demographics of it was still a little bit um, more, I would say, it, it was a little bit more similar to what America as a whole looks like. Um, and then the, the year over year, largely based on, it, it's a really great public school system. It was a safe area. It was close enough to being between San Francisco and San Jose. Just a lot of those things. Um, there was a huge boost in, in the immigrant community out of Asian countries and South Asian communities. And so there's, um, that actually is at this point, the majority of the community that lives there. Um, but it was really, it, it my journey sort of through childhood was exposure to a lot of different types of communities, both in um, racial demographics, but also in terms of socioeconomic demographics, just based on sort of, again, like I said, really starting from a place where, um, you know, I don't know if anyone has lived in student family housing at like a state. Yeah, school, no, I have, it was I basically, have. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was yeah. basically double wide trailers. Um, yeah. And then we moved into you know, uh, I've lived in a one bedroom apartment with my parents and my sister, and we kind of moved through um, each stage of, of what immigrant life looks like. But, you know, we were really lucky to be able to come here. I, I feel really like I am lucky that my parents had education that was able to translate because so many people miss out on that. See, um, I want to, I, I don't want to, you know, interrupt you, yeah, uh, but, you know, I want to make this point um, because, you know, I, I've gotten this this comment before and I don't know if you've encountered this at all but you know people misunderstand immigrant families so much I've noticed you know and they they I some comments I've gotten and obviously we all know you know racism is a thing it's you know it's everywhere we're all victims of it at some point um you know but for me it was always well immigrant families you know they come here and they they don't want to change their culture they don't want to change who they are they want to you know stay the same way and, you know, I get the question, you know, coming from a very similar background as you just described of, well, do you ever wish you stayed in, your parents stayed in India? And do you ever wish that you had grown up around people that looked more like you and were like you? And you know what I mean? Those kind of comments. And it, and it's like, it's off-putting for me personally. I mean, it's not like, I'm not like, you know, enraged about it, but it's like, you know what I mean? It's like a weird like question that I get sometimes. And I'm like, 
no, I'm very grateful <laughs> that we're in America, you know? So um, I wanted to ask you that. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because what you're bringing up is sort of two different points, right? It's it's yeah. the, you're, when you come here as an immigrant, you're, and I say this in the narrative of the life that I've lived, which is the immigration that came out of, you know, the, the legislation that happened in the late 60s, which allowed for um, people from Asian countries and India and the Indian community to come in with education and get essentially what I like to describe as basically we were invited here, right? So it was a different yeah. form of immigration than so many other types of immigration and also yeah. so many experiences of other minority groups, right? So yes. Yes. for That's us- That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. And so for us coming into- um, into the US, like for my parents, it was only a certain amount of time past like Indian independence, like Indian independence is from the British is actually not as old as I think some people would like to think it really yeah. is only honestly like two generations behind me, if even two generations, I like to think of myself as younger sometimes. So it may even be one generation <laughs> behind me. Hey, but, I'm with um, you on that one. No, it's like, <laughs> but I hear you though. And it's like everyone listening out there, we've been free then the british came over and then we weren't free anymore so then we became free again like that's the yeah. whole story of india like you know it, and yeah i hear you though people think it's like centuries old and it's not yeah and i think that what's really interesting is that because they were part of of that time frame in india where independence had happened but they hadn't really seen growth and success in the country you know the, one of the things that I know you wanted to touch on and, and one of the things that I think is really an interesting um, conversation to have is that the Indian education system is extremely different than the system here in the US and it's very yeah. largely meritocracy based. And if you are able to excel and you know take tests and state by state and all of this stuff, um, then the government helps pay for your, your education. Obviously, right. there's also socioeconomic things that get connected to that that I'm, I'm not dismissing in terms of what the level of meritocracy is, because there are systems in, in India that are also keeping people um, from developing the ability to succeed in that environment. But because yeah. it is a meritocracy, they, there's this idea of like, OK, well, I'm the top person or top five percent of, of my state. I should be able to reach a level of success. And that wasn't necessarily happening in that country for my parents and they weren't seeing it as quickly as they wanted it to happen. So they were like, look, I'm going to go to what literally America positioned itself as, which is the land of opportunity. You know, that's what yeah. I knew America to be growing up. That's what it was, right? The land of opportunity. Absolutely. So um, I think that it's, it's hard to say because I also come from a set of parents who came here again when they were younger they had a family, they raised their children here. So there was never an intention for them that they would go back to India and sort of go back to living that life. They were very committed to coming to this country and making this community their community and building a life here. So yep. I, in terms of your original question, which I gave a very long-winded answer to. No, um, I love your answer. I think, I think that um, I, I don't, wish one way or the other that like my parents had stayed in India or they hadn't I yeah. just find what has happened in that country to be so 
interesting and fascinating. And I have a lot of cousins and family that still lives in India and watching them, you know, they're only the difference between myself and most of my cousins is between like two and seven years and watching them build their lives there or build their lives there and then leave to go um, immigrate to other parts of the world. That's just been really interesting and, and something that I think makes you also look at your experience and say, oh, maybe the experience that my parents thought they would have had in, in India would have been different because things have changed and things have shifted, or maybe oh, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered. And the reality is, um, I, I do think of my experience in this country as an experience that has allowed me a lot of opportunities that maybe I wouldn't have had otherwise and also has allowed me to live a lifestyle that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily been able to have in India. Um, So in those ways, I think that um, I don't think about like, oh, okay, I, I wish my parents had never left. Yeah. And that's, that's a solid answer. I love that you brought up like such key points. And, you know, I, and I just want to say like, you know, my father, I remember he's very similar, you know, he is also a PhD and, you know, same situation with him where he came here for work and for on his merit. Um, And they grew up in rural India. And my father even told me, you know, when I was very young, like I asked him, why did you come here? And it was very much what you just described. It was that, you know, he understood that country so much and all of the hurdles, I mean, you know, and all of the, all of the backbreaking work that goes into accomplishing anything. And especially as a girl or a woman and the, you know, there are a lot of things, you know what I mean? A lot of factors. And I remember him very distinctly saying to me as well, he was like, you know, um, I wanted to raise you, you know, as the way I wanted and not have these restrictions around us and not worry about, are you too old to get a job? Because that's one of the realities. You know what I mean? If you're too old in these uh, very, very populated countries in the East, you're not going to get a job. You know, you're not going to have normal things happening for you that we just don't have here in America. So I, I think, you know, your answer is very much, you know, in, in synchronicity with, with what I've experienced as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's really nice about having um, these kinds of conversations, and I think what's nice about um, what, not that really anything was nice about what ended up having to lead to the movement that has happened in in this country, but um, what I think it has opened people's eyes to and opened a little bit more of the dialogue to is this country sort of losing sight of the fact that it was a melting pot and we were valuing everyone else's experiences and sort of what those similarities are, but also respecting the differences of them. Um, And I feel like what is nice about this kind of conversation is there, there are so many things that are similar about the way that our background might be, or the way that our career paths might've gone, or the way that our parents' experiences were. And it's just nice to feel connected to each other. And it's also nice to have that like respect of like, okay, but there, there were, di- there are differences in people's um, experiences that they've had in this country yeah. and kind of how that does help shape where, where you land. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And, you know, um, I just, everyone listening out there, I just want to say this because, you know, for me, this podcast um, specifically is, is my heart and I, and I want to share what I really think. And, you know, I don't want anyone to think that this is like 
you know, the Brown Girls Club or anything, you know, when I'm talking to you and sharing my experiences and you're sharing yours, that's like, you know, feeling like we really are connected, you know, regardless of where we come from. I mean, growing up here for me, you know, there was like any high school student, you know, there were so many cliques and, and whatnot. And I just, I remember thinking that, you know, if people stopped worrying about that, it would just be easy. Like children don't know racism. Children don't know about, you know, those kind of things. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go on that rant. That's a huge rant, but yeah, like, you know, if this isn't <laughs> one of those like Daisy girls only club, you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but you know, I, I want to move on because I, I really want to talk about your career. I think you've yeah. had, you know, such a phenomenal career and you've accomplished so much and it's truly extraordinary. And I want to, I want you to share all of that with us and all the vision and the hard work and, um, just, you know, what led to, um, BSG and your position and, you know, I, can you share all the details? Yeah. Um, I will, I will try to keep it as concise as possible. And then also feel free to interrupt me because otherwise I will just go on forever. So, um, but I was going to say that my background and like when someone says like, oh, well, what is, what do you do? Um, is that I'm an attorney. I started, um, I knew I wanted to go to law school very young. I was like mock trial, speech and debate, like that, that girl. I was, I was, I was that girl. Like I was, I was that girl. And, um, it was really interesting because no one in my family actually had taken, um, that sort of route legal was something very, uh, foreign to us. I'm the first lawyer in my family and the first lawyer in my extended family. Um, and it wasn't really the route that necessarily my parents wanted us to take. You know, they were on the, um, Bay Area parent route, which was more of the like engineering doctor route, um, yeah, wasn't yeah. necessarily something they knew well enough to get excited about. <laughs> so um, it was something that I just really gravitated towards. I loved public speaking. I loved critical thinking. And I had a very particular, um, you know, I, I grew up in uh, a household with myself, my older sister, my parents, and then I do have a younger sister who's um, about 14 years younger than me. So her experiences are, are actually really fascinatingly different than, than ours. But um, growing up in, in a community that had such a large immigrant population and also having moved through the world, experiencing so many different types of versions of what it meant to be American, what yeah. really stuck with me was that I felt that immigrant communities and especially immigrant parents and even sometimes first generation, understanding the systems of this country is very difficult for them because they're so vastly different than the systems that exist in their, in the countries that they came from. And what I mean by the systems is like the tax system, the insurance system, the criminal justice system, like those things I always felt like I watched as people sort of either got taken advantage of or sort of missed the opportunity to benefit from a system that was in place for them, whether that was because of a lack of understanding, a lack of um, a lack of sort of knowing how to work that system in a way that benefited them, or sometimes even it was ego, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. a lot of immigrants are not happy or comfortable using social programs because they feel like social programs are a handout and they feel really like that's 
a big ego issue for them. So yeah. I watched yeah. a lot of um, that happen around me and I thought, oh, it would be so great to be able to ed get educated and learn these systems so that you're in a position where this doesn't happen to, on a personal level, like my children or to my family or something like that, but also on a broader level to immigrants in general and just be able to have those conversations. Um, and that's, it resonated with me because I saw it in immigrant communities, but as I sort of went through my legal education and my, um, I mean, I was a political science and law and society major in undergrad. I went to undergrad at UC Riverside, which at the time I went was the most diverse um, UC campus in the state. And, wow. um, and then I went to law school in Orange County, which was again, a completely different situation and a very different political climate. I actually went to law school when um, Obama was being elected for his first term. So got to oh! see a complete, <laughs> a completely so cool. insane, um, completely different version of a community than the community I grew up in. Um, and so I think that as I sort of moved through life, I realized that it actually wasn't just immigrant communities. A lot of times it was minority groups in general. It was specific stratas of, of socioeconomic class. And so I really, I always wanted to be an attorney because I wanted to have that understanding and I wanted to be able to problem solve for people. And I wanted to have the people that were around me um, be able to leverage me as a resource of that. Yeah, and you know, then, I just- <laughs> oh, No, say what you were gonna say. No, 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 I was gonna say, like, I just love that you explained that because honestly, there's so much stigma around um, you know, Indian Americans being like lawyers, doctors, engineers, and they're like, oh, your parents must have pushed you in that. And it's like, no, we have actual reasons we want to do this. <laughs> like, you know, we have real vision and we have real purpose. And I love that you described exactly why you wanted to do, you know, to go into law and like what that really means, you know, from the perspective of someone who's not only, you know, being raised here, but you come from a different culture. I mean, that's a very dynamic perspective to have. And for someone like you to have, you know, the desire and the true ambition to do such good work. I mean, that's, that's how change happens, right? That's how I see it. Like, you can't have a bunch of people, you know, doing something that they don't really, I guess, not, I don't want to say understand, but I guess maybe it's not as close to their heart you know, and they haven't seen the other side. So I just wanted to, you know, pop in and say that real fast. I'm so sorry. I interrupted you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Please don't apologize for interrupting. Please feel free to at any point in time. But um, yeah, I mean, all of that being said, and it was very, it's, it is very noble and it still informs a lot of the personal things that I do in my life. And ultimately it informs some of the, the strategic things that I do in my life. But um, I was 24 when I graduated from law school. I had met lots of lawyers. I had met lots of law students um, who were very unhappy <laughs> with their careers. Who uh, I had a, a TA in uh, undergrad actually, who was a current law student who told me, don't go to law school. Law school is the worst decision you'll ever make. Um, <laughs> so I just found that people were really uh, a lot of people were unhappy in the profession and it made me think about, okay, what space do I, what space do I love so much that I'm never going to be unhappy in it in terms of yeah. the law. And, um, that again, really lent itself to my immigrant roots. And I chose entertainment because, um, I think when you are 
the type of immigrant that I was, where my parents, like I said, had every intention of coming and staying here in the U.S., um, you learn the culture through popular culture. So I was an avid TV fan. I was an avid reader. I was an avid like consumer of everything pop culture. That's what America was to me, right? It was shiny. Yeah. It was Disney. It was like movies that were amazing. It was Die Hard. It was like it was all of that, right? So, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, it, so for me, I was like, okay, I'm never gonna get sick of doing that. So that's the space that I ended up moving into. And when I was in um, law school, that that was what I focused on was entertainment law. Um, and again, this was more than 10 years ago. And so at this point, um, when you learned entertainment in the context of, of 10 years ago, it was really film. So um, at 24, when I graduated, I had every intention of um, doing film, working for a studio, being in business affairs, um, and sort of being part of the crafting of how films get made. Uh, and that was really exciting. I, of course, um, hit a spot of something similar to what a lot of people are hitting right now, a spot of a unfortunate recession. So I graduated in 2009 from law school, um, hit the recession. It was a big recession for legal. Um, and everything that I had anticipated that my career was going to be was not what was available to exist and also not what um, was out there, you know, like yeah, I, I just yes. had to sort of say, okay, what am I going to do now? Right. So um, that's when I had a conversation with my parents about the fact that they had anticipated that when I graduated from law school, I would get a big firm job making big money and living a big, big life. Yeah. Um, and I said, but I really want to work in entertainment. And um, for those people who have gone on that pathway, that is not what ends up as your starting place. It's not big money, big life kind of. Um, it's hard work, long hours. you have to pay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it, it's, a, it's tough. And honestly, I think the toughest thing for me was um, it's very connection-based and network-based. And um, I had no network no network in Los Angeles, no network in entertainment. Um, really, honestly, I had no way of knowing how to even get a network. Um, it, I felt like networking was sort of a term that people use similar to the way in law school, they tell you to like make an outline, work on an outline. Um, and this, it was like this, um, this term that people would just throw out and I'd be like, what does that mean? What do, what do you mean by that? Like, what does that look like? And then people would show up um, with an outline that was like 45 pages of the entire class. And I was like, this is not what I thought this was going to look like. And similarly, <laughs> when people would say the word networking, I was like, so what does that mean? Like, do I talk to people? Like, do I get business cards? I like, and I did that. I will tell you that I still have a copy of my first business card, which was literally. Um, what did you, what did you write on it? I want to know like what was, it know. was a very sad white business card. Um, it was just white. It just said my name. I think it probably said like Bavagna Body Prolu comma Esquire. And then I think I probably had a line on it and underneath that I wrote attorney at law, which is redundant, but also I just had to fill space. 
Um, and then I put my phone number on it and that was probably everything. And I would just paper everything that I went to with these, I um, I, I would just paper everything that I went to with these business cards. I'd meet people and I would like happily give them these, I mean, maybe it didn't even have the date that I graduated. It was literally like, here's my name. Here's my email. Probably not even that. If it did, it was something on Yahoo probably. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I did the same. It, this is so funny that, you know, we're talking about it. I keep thinking and everything you're saying, I kid you not. There's like one of my own memories, like exactly like my first, you know, my first business card had like my BS. Like I had my, I had my, what do you call it? My bachelor's already. So I was like, bs and ba and you know like i just and you know going to med school it was so ridiculous so i, I get it <laughs> yeah and and i think that um you know i i think you you do what you can you hustle um yeah. i hustled hard i will say that like i for me it was um okay if i'm gonna pick entertainment and this is what i really really want to do um i will do anything I have to do to get in this business. Um, and my parents said, okay, well, you have two months to, to decide what you're going to do. Um, and then you basically have to move back home and just stay here. Um, so the two oh. months that I was down here was post bar exam. So it was just like November to December, the worst yeah. times to get a job in entertainment. So I worked for um, legal aid entertainment lawyers for the arts which was a legal aid company that sort of set up artists around the country with lawyers oh. um I did that for two months uh I called it working but it was volunteer work um yeah. it didn't lead to a job and then I did move back to the bay area um yeah. in with my parents and then what I did was I kept looking for a job and I used a friend's um, address in Los Angeles to apply for jobs. And then I kid you not, if someone would call me for a job, I would drive, I would drive from the Bay area to LA that day. And then I would try to schedule the meeting for the next day. Wow. Um, I would spend the night at a friend's house. I would go to the interview and then I would drive back to the Bay area. Wow. So, um, um, yeah. <laughs> you definitely hustled very hard. Wow. That's very impressive. I love that. Well, thank you. It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel impressive when you're like, oh, I am spending hours and hours driving and I have like dollars in my bank account. Yeah. Um, but it, it sort of is just, I think the reality of if you really, really want something, it's not just gonna fall in your lap. Like, yes, there are people who it does fall in their lap. And like, I think that that's incredible for them. And if yeah. you have that level of luck and, or if you have that level of network and connections, it's an incredible place to be. But if you don't, it doesn't mean you can't create something for yourself. And um, yeah. my yeah. first job at, was at CAA, which is a very large talent agency here in Los Angeles. That job I got because when I was in law school, yeah. I externed at the Motion Picture Association, which is a conglomerate of, or it's a government um, agency that sort of sets specific standards across all of the studios. And right. I got that job because one of my teachers at school, um, had worked for that agency in Washington, DC and had helped me get that externship. 
Um, during that internship, I, I worked in co-production work. The co-product, again, this was a, around like 2009, 10-ish. And that was a large uh, moment in time for the film industry to get co-production uh, financing from India and the US. Will Smith had just gone to India to, um, to start doing co-financing of his films there. So I worked in that space. And then when I graduated and I had no job and I was living in the Bay Area and would drive down for interviews, I would also drive down sometimes for bar association events um, from different bars all over Los Angeles. Um, and then also um, there are some, some specific uh, groups have bar associations associated with them as well. Um, and I went to an event in a lecture hall at UCLA and it was about co-productions. And yeah. one of the people who was on the panel that was speaking at that event, his name was Caleb, his name is Caleb Franklin. And he uh, was a business development agent at CAA. And I, at the end of uh, that panel, I walked down and I introduced myself to him and I gave him one of my sad business cards. <laughs> and I said, um, you know, I'm really interested in this work. I actually did some similar work while I was at the Motion Picture Association, which was a bit of a stretch, but kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and I said, I, I, I apply, I've applied to work at this at CAA. I would love to come work there. Um, I want to work in uh, fi financing, in the fi in um, film finance. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was incredible. He took my card, I reached out to him, he followed up with me, he gave my resume to HR um, and I got an interview probably within a week. He took the time wow. to prep me for like half an hour. I, I he got on the phone with me before, um, my interview and it was really an incredible thing to have someone actually kind of take that step to try to help lift me up um and listen this this is so important like what i just want to take a minute and acknowledge this because the people in my life and you know what you just these kind of people are very rare you know and when we come across them it's like you it's almost as if someone finally like listens you know what I mean like that's that's how I've I've had similar like mentors in the medical space and you know it's just like I love that he did that I love that he was open and like understanding and wanted to hear your video you know, that's that's such a huge thing and I wish humanity was just you know, we practice that more and more, you know what I mean? Instead of shutting people out or, or, you know, just thinking you're too big for whatever, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a, it's a very, very important thing. And I, I love that you, you know, you were able to do that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in our community sometimes, and I think this happens sometimes because when you're first generation, you're just trying so hard to survive that you yeah. can't necessarily thrive in being the place to give back. And I think that one of the things that I will say about him doing that for me and then subsequently the person that I worked for at CAA was just the most incredible woman mentor who gave me, so, who taught me honestly the foundations of my career, who was so supportive of me, who gave me so many opportunities. And um, 
she was actually only seven years older than me. So it wasn't like she was this hugely, wildly successful person. She was just someone who took the time to invest in me. And I think that when those moments happen to you, they sort of change who you are and how you per- how you move through life moving forward. Like now yeah. at the stage in my career that I'm at, it's really, really important to me that I mentor both professionally and outside of my company because that was what I feel like did so much for my career. And so I want to be able to provide that to other young people of color, other young women, just in general, that that there's someone, you know, who can, who's willing to invest that time in you. Because even that small amount of effort really yeah. does change so much of how you look at the world and how you move through your career. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, I... Um, I'm just I'm so like just happy to hear you say that and for that message to be out there I think that you know there are not enough people that understand that when you go through things in a way that it's like you know you really have to climb from the bottom you work for every little thing that you have you know I, wa- I watched my parents do this I did this myself you know I'm talking to a, a person who's done it you know probably much more than I ever did you know it's so it's a very interesting life journey and the wisdom that comes from that is something I think, you know, we as human beings have a duty to share. So I absolutely love that you, you mentor people and that you, you know, that your mentees are very, very lucky to have you, you know, that's, oh, thank a, you that's, so much. That, that's a blessing. Yeah, no, I, I mean it because that's how I think good people help make more good people in this world. I don't think it, you know what I mean? I don't think it's something that's that difficult. You just have to, you know, just meet with the right people and you have to understand that if a person's good, they're good. So I love that. Anyways, I, you know, I don't want to rant too much, (laughs) but um, you know, I want to talk more about, uh, so blended strategy group, you know, and I want to, I want to learn about that because you, you know, your clients, I mean, you know, you guys, she's being a little modest because you've worked with the best of the best, you know, and you've really just, outdone yourself in your career and I want to learn like how you got involved with blended strategy group you know my my great friend Holly um who I have to thank for you know um connecting us like you know I just I love everything about the company and I want to I want to know you know what what attracted you to them yeah so um I mean when I left so when I was at CAA again it was just it was during the recession it was at a time when film wasn't um getting as much money and put into it and not as many films were getting made. And so um, I happened to work for someone who whose pre predecessor had really been on the forefront of commercial endorsements, which is what now everyone sort of knows as as, as entertainment branding and entertainment marketing. Um, yeah. At that time, it was truly, you know, TV commercials. Um, and so I learned the business via deal making and how like structuring contracts and things like that. But I always had this little part of me that like I had consumed so much popular culture. I wanted to be part of casting who those people were in these campaigns. Um, and it, that I thought was really exciting. And so I, I left CAA um, to be to go to a, a more traditional talent procurement agency, which is basically a brokerage between um, brands and, and talent. And while I was there, um, I worked with some really great big um, PR companies and really great advertising agencies. And it was a New York-based business, so I was able to have the opportunity to work bi-coastally um, and really 
have a little bit more of a hand in casting, which I felt like was something that was really exciting to be a, a, a part of as someone who looked the way I did. And there was definitely the more and more I went into corporate and away from entertainment. Um, yeah. Ironically, you know, I'm not saying that Hollywood or the entertainment community is in some way like a beacon of diversity or equity. Like that would be completely insane for me to say. <laughs> but I will yeah. say, I will say this. As I moved more into brand and corporate and seeing yeah. what those structures look like, especially in leadership, um, people looked less and less like me. You know, it was, it got yeah. very homogenous very quick. So yeah. um, I, that's why it was really nice to be part of, of casting. And it was really important, I think, for me to hear the conversations of people, you know, at big companies to say, oh, well, we want to cast, you know, someone who's African-American for this campaign. And, you know, 45 days later, the person who ends up in that campaign is actually white and blonde and very much different than what was originally talked about because while they wanted to put that in a brief, what they really wanted was something very different. And that, and when it's distilled through so many versions of the same type of person, it all of a yeah. sudden becomes um, what we see out in the world so much. So yeah. uh, while yeah, I was that's there- that's a great point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so while I was there, I worked um, with quite a few international businesses. I had done that even um, while I was at CAA and uh, that sort of understanding of, of international um, led to my, myself being asked to start one of their international offices. Um, and while yeah. I was in the process of moving out of Los Angeles to go start the international office of this agency, um, I was connected with Sherry Jawar, who's one of the co-founders of, of our business. We actually worked on a deal together, which I think is one of the greatest ways to get to know someone is to be in a, a in the business of making a deal with them because you see where their um, strengths are, where they're willing to kind of bend on things, what their attitude is with problems. So um, yeah. we worked on a deal together. We met um, and then her and Allison Statter, who's the other co-founder of our business, um, had breakfast with me. And they basically, I thought that they were having breakfast with me to talk about ways to work together more. And um, they basically sat me down and they were like, well, would you ever consider leaving where you are right now? And wow. It was really interesting because I had spent probably about nine months negotiating my deal to, to go build this international office. And it was a really exciting opportunity. And it was something that could have that could have been very special. Um, and it was a, a big thing for me to have, have spent the time working on um, and make that and, and sort of make all of the decisions I had to make professionally and personally to go do that. Um, yeah. But. I, and I told them, I said, well, the short answer is yes, but the long answer is like, this is not the right time. And I think that mm -hmm. that's something yeah. that, um, you know, you always have to think about in your career. And um, I had a, uh, a significant other who had an investor uh, who was, who was a, one of the people who exited Facebook and then developed a, a VC fund. And I remember him saying that the difference between people who are successful and the people who aren't successful is knowing when to take the risk, 
knowing when to say, okay, this feels comfortable and this feels like an exciting place to be, but like, I'm going to take the risk on something else. And, um, what really drew me to blended strategy group was, um, Allison and Sherry's background, and then also the team they had built. So they, we sat down and had breakfast on a Friday morning. Um, they said this to me and they said, look, we really need some additional leadership at our company. We would love to bring you on. We don't really know what the role is going to look like. We don't really know what the title is going to be. We don't know any of these things, but what (laughs) we know is that we have, I mean, they didn't say this, but this was just, this is just objectively correct, which is they have incredible backgrounds. They have incredible, they have an incredible network of people that know that their incredible backgrounds and their incredible professionalism and work makes them people who are respected, who people rely on. And that element of who they were as people tied to the fact that they were extremely transparent with me from the upfront um, really made me go, okay, these two women get it. They get where this business is going. They get what building a team looks like. They get what valuing people means. Um, and all of that really resonated with me deeply. So, well, you um, found your tribe, you know, and you found your tribe, you found people cut from the same cloth. That's a huge, you know, when that happens, when it clicks, it clicks, right? Like, it's just like natural. Totally. And, you know, like I said, we, we had breakfast on a Friday morning share. I spoke to my mom on Friday night and she was like, Oh my God, please don't move to London. Come stay here. Like stay in California forever. Um, so I was like, mom, don't get too excited. I may not take this. And she was like, just try, just try. So, um, I, I was on the phone with Sherry for probably about three hours on a Sunday. And she gave me all of that time and was completely transparent about what they wanted to create, what they thought they could, where they thought they were going, what they had done so far. Um, And it was just so incredibly refreshing. And it just reminded me of, of the mentors and the women that had been in my life who had been so strong, so smart, who had clear vision, but were not so rigid that they weren't going to be flexible in the way that vision came to life. Um, And then on, she was like, you should come meet, you should come spend time with Allison. You should come spend time in the office. I did that on Monday. I went in and I spent like a couple hours with everyone. Um, and on Tuesday I resigned from my previous job. Wow. I love that. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was a whirlwind. And I think the biggest thing was again, like knowing that this risk was, um, the better risk for me personally. And also that it, it was, you know, big risk, big reward. And, um, what I think is really exciting for me at, at blended strategy is we have, um, this great group of people that we have built over time. And, you know, when I started, there were seven of us, there's 23 of us now. Um, it, it's a business that continues to think about what's coming next and move yeah. into the things that are coming next that our clients really need to see. Um, and then I also think that what's nice about it is we have these great brand clients, big brand clients. Um, and, and then we also have the brand clients that have sort of um, grown with us. And then yeah. we get the opportunity to kind of help shape brands in a way that, that 
I never have had the opportunity to do before because maybe my seat at the table was farther away at that at that point in time in my life. So it's really great to be in the position where I can have these um, conversations with brands of all these different types of sizes and and really um, find partnerships and, and find ways to help them craft who they're going to be. Um, and then on a personal level, I mean, it's again, it was really important for me to be part of casting. It's hugely important to me right now to still be part of how our strategies come to life and who they come to life with. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that it's, it's never been more relevant only because that phrase could have been said for the past 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. It's never yeah. been more the time um, to try to sort of push. And I think that what's really important is that there's always someone pushing to try to keep things moving forward. And um, that's really what I want my career to be. And what I really think at this point um, is is important to this, to the industry that I work in, to the industries that I'm adjacent to. And also, like I said, on a personal level to me and, and the people who I'm able to help around me is yeah. kind of moving things forward and continuing to put pressure on an environment that maybe isn't that ready to be flexible and bend to the fact that the world looks a certain way and maybe this industry should reflect it a little bit better. I completely agree with you. I cannot emphasize that enough. I can't say it any other way. I mean, honestly, like one of my biggest, one of my biggest problems has been that, you know, there, I've, and I've actually gotten this feedback from um, some of the, you know, African-American editors and good friends of mine that have, you know, come on to Skincare Anarchy, that, my other podcast, and they've actually told me about how, you know, um, for example, the workload for them is so much more exponentially higher because people don't know who to go to. You know, there's the, the systems that are in place right now in our media, in our, you know, in a lot of companies, it's like, you know, you want, and this is all going back to your point about like the casting thing. It's like, you know, you, you're asking the people who, you know, don't know to do something. And when it goes wrong, you put all the work on like, two people you know what I mean in, in a company because you haven't done your job as a, as a company to be inclusive to be diverse to be open-minded and that's a conversation unfortunately that comes up a lot you know so I, I really like that you you know you went into that you know because it, it's important you know you diversity inclusion all of these things don't mean just faces they mean perspectives and to have a perspective such as yours, for example, where you've seen life in so many different colors and you've been through it, you know, you've seen your parents' journey and then your own journey and, you know, everything that has led up to this point, that is a perspective like, you know, that should always be at the table. And that's, you know what I mean? That, that's what matters. And I think that it, it, it's just so important that everyone listening out there, like if you're trying to go into a career or something like that, you know, is more you know, male dominant or, you know, a certain race dominant, like just know, you know what I mean? That the, pers your, the perspective you have is what's really going to make a difference. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think it's, it is one of those things where a lot of times we are taught to be grateful 
that were in the room to um, be thankful for the place that we're at. And I, I agree with that. We, we should be grateful and we should be thankful. But one of my biggest pet peeves is when employers um, say that you should be grateful for your job because the reality yeah. is your work and what you do is growing a business. It's making money for the people who run that business, for the people who work in that business. And, and for me, doing great work isn't something you need to be grateful for. Um, exactly. And it's something that, again, like we have to push ourselves into spaces. And the one thing I would say, um, in addition to what you just said, is, is what I would really like to see, especially since I'm a person who has a lot of, um, because of, of what my background was, I have a lot of friends who are creatives and a, a, in a lot of different um, spaces and who were creative executives and who were um, sort of left in that management tier for too long. What yeah. I would really like to see is not just putting the faces in the room, but investing in those faces to grow and giving them the level of, yes. Yes. of investment that you're giving other people and also the the part that is always the most difficult for us, which is like the level of letting them fail that you're giving all of these other people, right? And so yeah. I think that there's, there's that part is something that for me, I think is really important. It's kind of where I see what needs to change um, the most for me is that I don't want to just see people of color as um, assistants and as coordinators and as managers, I want to see them as executives. And I want to see more moments of time when I am on Zoom with a bunch of people who are director, vice president, senior yeah. vice president, executive vice president level people look different. They don't need to look like me, but they don't need to literally be the opposite of me. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I think that that is, that is the real, you know, that's the real truth here is, you know, you can't put people in a room as tokens, you know, the token executive, even, you know, like you can't have one person of color in the room full of executives saying, well, this person is so-and-so and we gave them this title just so we could have them in this room. Like, you know, that's, that's something that I think a lot of people try to get away with and it's absolutely garbage. And, you know, going back to your point about you, you know, people saying you're lucky to have your job. I could not agree with you more because I've heard the same thing my whole life. And it's like, you know what? No, I'm actually very grateful to have my ambition. And that's genetic, so I don't know what to tell you. You know, like I, just, I like, love that. That is yeah, such I a mean, great honestly, way that, to position that. Yeah, I mean I that's that's the that. truth. It's the truth. Your ambition and your hard work and your drive and your relentless need to just get up again and again and do what you want to do, what you believe in, that's what got you where you are. You know what I mean? We mm -hmm. like I love that you thanked everybody that helped you. I love, you know, obviously give credit where it's due, but I mean for everyone listening out there, like, you know, it is a lot of work and it's a lot of hard work and it's, you know, you, you just, you know, it's, it's, an, it's so inspiring to hear stories like, you know, your career story, because it's, I think more people need to hear that, you know, and that is the reality of it because we live in a world where everyone gets a trophy and every little kid gets a, you know what I mean? Like a, a trophy and that's, it's just not reality. It's a lot of work. So, you know, I just wanted to add that in, but, you know, I mean, just just to end, I, I really want you to give um, some career advice to any young woman or young man listening out there who, you know, may 
may need it or you know i think everyone needs it but i would love for you to give some some words of wisdom um to you know to anyone listening it's just so hard with my youth (laughs) no i i love that and that's the episode guys (laughs) well Here's, I'll give you a little bit of, of advice that I give people a different, because my background is so varied, right? Because I, I, I went to law school, like I am a lawyer. I have, I still do a lot of contract work and, and I still talk to a lot of lawyers in the work that I do. Um, but I also sort of built this foundation in entertainment and then I'm very close to this, to brands and corporate. I'll tell you a couple of things that I tell people. One, I... Uh, took a very, very long time to learn to be flexible when I was 26 and I could not find a way to get into this idea in my head, business affairs job um, in film. Uh, I was like sad. I would cry all the time. I was like, why isn't the world giving me what I thought that I deserved because I put the work in to go to law school, to take the bar, to be come who what I was supposed to be. Like, where is my reward? Yeah. I think the one thing I would say is be more, be open to the fact that where your life is going to go, if you allow yourself to lean into moments that sort of feel like, oh, maybe this moment just washed over me. Um, if you really take the time to sit in something and say, okay, is this is this the time to make this move for myself? I think that's really valuable and I it took me a long time to learn that lesson because I'm clearly so type A and I'm clearly so um focused on what I what I wanted. Um yeah. but I do think it it changed my career. Like had I been had I not been open to giving up film, I never would have the career that I have in this moment in time. And yeah. I think that that's really important. And then the other thing I would say is really look at the people around you as you're starting your career and building your career and make real relationships with people. Don't make relationships that are based on, you know, you guys are like, you're hoping to use them for something later. You think this person's going to be successful. So you think you need to align yourself with them, make real relationships because you never know where people are going to go. And the people that you start your career with are people that you will encounter over and over and over again. And you want to know that the relationships that you have built and the work that you've done together and the things that you've said to each other make you excited to spend time with that person. You know, the more and more I grow in my career, the less and less I want to try to go out of my way to continue to meet all kinds of people and like go out to a million drinks and a million dinners and a million birthday parties. But again, when I was at the very beginning of my career, I did that all the time. And it was because I wanted to have the relationships that would help carry my career. But also I wanted to have relationships with people that I wanted to spend time with, that I wanted to be on phone calls with, that I wanted to make deals with, that I wanted to have around me that were, I, I knew were going to give me good energy and the kind of pressure that is good for you, you know, that pushes you you moving forward. So I think that like, those are the things that I, I, wish I had learned earlier and I I had thought of earlier and also the things that I think have carried me so far, you know, is, is largely that, that, um, 
network I built when I was young and also just like treating people well. And then thinking about the fact that like when you are in a position to, and it will be earlier than you think it is, but when yeah. you are in a position to help someone, push someone forward, give someone a, a hand that you actually take the time to do it because you may not think it is creating real change, but it is. Yeah. 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 I have the biggest smile on my face right now. You have so much wisdom in you and I, I, I'm just, yeah, I completely agree. Everyone listening. I really, really hope you have listened to every word she said, because this is, that's the truth. And I, and I could not agree more and, you know, it's beautiful. It has been such an honor speaking to you, but you know, and, and I just, I can't thank you enough for coming onto the show. Hello? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, it cut out just for a second. Okay, oh, sorry, I, I didn't know, I, I because I was like, it just went silent. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't hear the last thing you said. I said, um, it has been such an honor um, to, to host oh. you and for you to be here because I've, I've learned so much and, you know, I, I think everyone listening can really take away something very, very crucial from this episode. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for your, for your wisdom. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, and like I said, congratulations on, on creating so many different kinds of spaces and sort of taking the opportunity to have your career expand past probably the most obvious places. And um, I'm so excited to see this this grow for you and for it to be something really special. So um, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And I will be back next time, guys. If you have any comments, please keep this conversation going. Leave your comments in the art for this episode and, you know, ask questions, talk about it, leave us your own experiences that you've had. Um, yeah, just anything. But I will be back next time. And yeah, stay happy, stay blessed. Thank you, guys.